Welcome to the ICFM Leadership Podcast, where we focus on empowering, equipping, and leading. We pray this message will bless and inspire you. Hello, this is Evangelist Daniel King, and I'm so excited to spend some time speaking to you on the ICFM Leadership Podcast. You know, many years ago, when I was first starting out in ministry, my parents were missionaries in Juarez, Mexico, right across from El Paso, Texas. And so Bishop Tom Brown was a friend of our family, and he invited me to come to an ICFM conference. And so I was just starting out in ministry and just wanted to know everything there was to know about faith and about launching out in ministry. And so I went, and I have been a member of ICFM ever since. I am so grateful for all of the pastors, the leaders of ICFM. I've preached at so many of your churches. Many of you support me in helping me to go to the nations to tell people about Jesus. And so I am very thankful for ICFM, and and it has been a tremendous blessing in my life. I want to talk to you about having a passion for souls. When I was 15 years old, I was reading a success book. It said, if you want to be successful, you need to write down your goals. And one of the goals that this book said that would be good for young people is to try to become a millionaire by the age of 30. But I realized that because of my upbringing as a missionary in Mexico, that money was not what was important to me. What was important was souls. And so at the age of 15, I wrote down on a sheet of paper, I, Daniel King, want to lead one million people to Jesus before I turn 30 years of age. Instead of trying to become a millionaire, I wanted to lead a million heirs into the kingdom of God. And so I went to Oral Roberts University, and while I was still a student there, God opened the door for me to do my first great gospel crusade. People like T.L. Osborne, Billy Graham, Oral Roberts were always my heroes when I was young. I was always looking at their pictures and seeing the amazing pictures of, of their crusades and what God had done in different nations. And so God put that in my heart. So I did my first crusade, and, and then God opened the door to do another crusade. And, and I'm excited to tell you that before I turned 30 years of age, we reached that goal of leading over a million people to Jesus. And so now we have passed over the two million mark My wife and I have gone to over 70 nations telling people about Jesus. Often we go to the hardest-to-reach places in the world where there are so many Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists, and we have seen a great harvest of souls. And recently someone asked me, what comes next? And I felt like God said, go for a million souls every single year. And so in the natural, that seems extremely difficult to do, but with God, all things are possible. I remember when I was about 14, 15 years old, I had an opportunity to go on a missions trip down to the nation of Jamaica, and we were there with Richard and Joy Keene. Many of you know them as the ICFM Jamaica Directors. And we were ministering in their neighborhood, doing a a small crusade. And I remember all day long, we were running through the neighborhoods and inviting people to come to the crusade that night. By the end of the night, we were so hot 
and tired and exhausted. Jamaica is a very humid country. All we wanted to do was to go back to the hotel and to take a shower and fall into bed. But when we arrived back at the hotel that night, there was a problem. For some reason, the hotel owner had turned off all the water in the hotel. So here we were, uh, all dirty and sweaty, and somebody in the group was a smart missionary and said, let's just go down to the swimming pool and take a bath down there. So we went down, we took our shampoo, our soap, we were swimming around in the swimming pool, and as we were swimming, I noticed that off on the edge of the swimming pool, there was a panel that was smoking. And I thought to myself, panels are not supposed to smoke. And so very foolishly, I swam through the water to look at the smoke, and there were even sparks coming out of this panel. And when I was over there looking closely at it, suddenly there was a light that was under the water. It shocked my leg, and it scared me because you can die from electricity in a pool. The whole left side of my body went numb. I pulled myself out of the pool, and I walked away thanking God for saving my life. I I was just so grateful. I said, God, Thank you for saving me. And I was about six steps away from the pool when suddenly I remembered that all of my teenage friends were still there in the pool. And immediately I became very concerned for their safety. So I I rushed back over the pool and I started yelling. I was, guys, guys, get out of the pool. Get out of the pool. If you stay in the pool, you're going to die. Well, my friends thought that it was a practical joke. And so they laughed at me, but I was concerned. I I yelled at them. I, I grabbed some of them by the hair and started pulling them out of the pool. And the last few, I had to talk it over with them and show them the smoking panels. They get out of the pool. It could kill you. And so finally, All of my friends were rescued, and thank God no one died that night in the pool in Jamaica. And right then, God spoke to me. He says, Daniel, I want you to have the same passion for souls that you showed saving your friends from that pool. You see, a lot of people, they get saved, and they walk away saying, thank you, God, for saving me. But they forget that there is a world full of people who are dying and going to hell. And so thank God that you're saved, but let's not forget about all the people who are in danger of going to hell for all of eternity. Thank God that your church is serving the Lord. But think about the community that is surrounding your church, all the people we pass by every single day that need Jesus. Someone said that, Christianity is like one starving man who found bread going and telling all the other starving men where they can find bread. So thank God that you're saved, but let's also go and tell others about Jesus. I'm called by God to be an evangelist, and an evangelist is someone who's given the job of of preaching the gospel to everyone he meets. But really, sharing with people about Jesus is not just a task for those who are called by God to be an evangelist. It's actually an assignment given by Jesus to every single believer. Between the time of Jesus' resurrection and the time of his ascension into heaven, Jesus had one thought on his mind. 
And he repeats this thought many different times in many different ways. And we find it right at the end of the each of the Gospels and at the beginning of the book of Acts. In Matthew 28, verse 19, Jesus says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Then flipping over to the end of the book of Mark, Jesus says, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, and whoever does not believe will be condemned, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons, they'll speak in new tongues, they will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them all at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. Then look at Luke chapter 24, verse 47. It says, repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are all witnesses of these things. And then in John chapter 20, verse 21, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And then Acts 1.8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the age. And so five times we hear this instruction repeated. Matthew 28 says, go make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Luke chapter 24, forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. John 20, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. In Acts 1.8, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit to be my witnesses to the very ends of the earth. Now, how many of you think that if Jesus repeats himself so many times that we should pay attention to what he was saying? You know, recently... I woke up in the morning, and I looked over at my wife, and the first thing she said to me is, Daniel, we need some bread. And so I was still half asleep, but I yawned, and I I said, honey, I'll go to the store, I'll buy some bread. So then we're we're at the the breakfast table, and again, my, my wife wanted some toast, and so she reminded me again that when you go to the store, please get some bread. And I said, my love, I, I'll do it. So then I'm taking my kids to school. As I'm backing out of the garage, the door opens. I roll down the window of my car, and Jessica says, make sure you bring home the bread. So then I am at the, uh, the school, and my phone rings. It's my beautiful wife. And uh I'm talking to her on the phone, and I say, yes, dear, I'll make sure to get the bread. Don't worry, I'll get some. So then I'm at the store, going down the store aisle. I'm pushing my cart. I get some cereal. I get some milk, and then beep, beep, it's a text message. One word. Do you know what that word was? Bread. Now, what would happen if I got all the way back home and I forgot the one thing 
that my wife asked me to bring home. Now, what happens if Jesus returns and we forget the one thing that he told us to do? Matthew 28, go make disciples of all nations. Mark 16, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Luke 24, forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. John 20, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Acts 1.8, you will receive power to be my witnesses to the uttermost ends of the earth. And so this is known as the Great Commission. It's not just a good suggestion. This is a command to every believer to be sharing the gospel. I want to tell you a story about four friends who went on a fishing trip. All four of these friends, they loved to fish, and so they heard about a lake up north in Canada that you could go to and the only way to get there was by by airplane. And so they went on an airplane, and uh, the airplane landed on the lake and that dropped them off at a fishing cabin. And they were just about ready to go out into this beautiful lake and start fishing, and it started to rain. And the four friends were so disappointed, but they decided, we'll just sit here in the cabin, and we'll play card games until the rain goes away, then we'll go fishing. So they're in in the cabin, they're playing cards, and they're having fun. Well, it rains all day, and then they wake up the second morning, and guess what? It's still raining. And so they're still in there playing cards, but now they're starting to irritate one another. It's a small cabin. They're close together. They don't have much elbow room, and so they they start to, to bicker a little bit. Well, third day comes, and it's still raining. And so now these four friends, they can't stand one another's company anymore. They're they're starting to to fight. They're just having a horrible time. And do you know why those four friends were fighting? It's because they weren't fishing. Do you know why sometimes churches start to fight? Or people in churches start to fight with one another? It's because they're not fishing. Jesus told us to be fishers of men and women. And as long as we keep the main thing the main thing and continue to keep our focus on soul winning, as long as our churches are going out fishing for the lost, then there's no time for fighting. But how many of you know, if you stop going fishing, that's when people start to complain about the color of the carpet or the sound of the songs or what's going on in the the, the church service. You see, we need to stay focused on going after souls. Recently, my family visited one of the greatest natural wonders in the world. It's a place called Carlsbad Caverns. It's in the state of New Mexico. It's a huge cave system. You start up at the the ground level, and there's a big hole with lots of bats that fly out. And then you can walk down into the depths of this cave. And so as we walked down, down, down into the depths of the cave, the guide began to tell us stories about the original explorers of the cave. 
They were extremely brave men and women who would explore using nothing but a tiny candlelight. And so when we got to the bottom of the cave, we were over two miles underground. The guide told us that she wanted to duplicate for us the conditions that the original explorers experienced. And so she sat our entire group down on some benches. And then she went over to the light switch and she flipped off the lights. And suddenly it was dark. It was so dark, I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. It was so dark, I couldn't see the person to my left or to my right. And the guide let us stay there for about five minutes so that our eyes could adjust to the darkness. And then she reached into her pocket and she pulled out a cigarette lighter. Now, when she said that she was going to light that cigarette lighter, I I thought to myself, this darkness is so thick that that tiny cigarette lighter is not going to make much of a difference. But we were in a huge room, and to my surprise, when she lit that small cigarette lighter, we could see the entire room. We could see the stalactites, we could see the stalagmites, we could see all the people in our group. That cave was a very dark place. But all it took was one light to light up the dark cave. In the same way, the world is a very dark place. There's a lot of people in this world that need Jesus. And if you watch the news, you can see there is darkness everywhere. People are confused about what is good, about what is right, and there is great darkness in our world. There's wars going on, there's famines happening, all kinds of issues and problems. There's great darkness in our world, but I want to tell you that all it takes is one light to light up the darkness. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, Jesus said, let your light So shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine. Each one of us is called to be a shining light in the midst of great darkness. And I know that God has called you as a minister to be a shining light and also to challenge your people, your congregation to be a shining light in the midst of great darkness. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for my friend who's listening right now to this podcast. Lord, I pray that you would make my friend a shining light in the midst of great darkness. Lord, I pray that we would fulfill the Great Commission. Lord, fill us with a passion for souls. I pray that when we see people, that we would feel the same compassion that Jesus feels for people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I love ICFM. May the Lord bless you, and thank you so much for listening to the ICFM Leadership Podcast. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to the podcast. 
ICFM is an international fellowship of faith churches and ministries. If you would like more information on our fellowship and what it has to offer, then please visit us online at icfm.org. You can also take advantage of our resources on our ICFM app available on App Store, Google Play, Amazon, and Roku. We pray God's blessings over you as you continue to lead forward.